Bible says that once we are raptured, once God takes us home, we get a new body. Can I get an amen right there? How many of you are tired of your old body? All right. I I don't know if you're going to be any less ugly, but I know that there's going to be some changes going on. I I know that for sure. We're going to go through all those changes. We're going to talk about the questions that people have. I just went through this spurt where I felt like I was uh, 105 years old. I was, I was, during the Christmas drama, I was shaking hands. I was right over there. I went around the corner, and I hit my shin on the pew, just on the corner. And I didn't think anything about it. My leg swelled up. My foot turned black. I was limping around. I, I was like this. At the same time, I was taking medicine because my shoulder was messed up. And my kids started naming all of my ailments, and they're like, Dad, look at it. I, I, I had just multiplied things that I I wear contacts, I'm going bald. Guys, I am falling apart. Falling apart is like, what's wrong? See, see the thing is, this body is temporary. Even though some of us have these hip problems and, and, and your pants don't fit, well, that's probably a whole lot of different issues there. But all these issues that we have here on earth... The Bible has this promise that we're going to get this new body. And there's this, all these questions that the Bible tells us about what's going to happen. And we have these questions. So here's some of them. Here's the thing that I'm going to tell you right now as we get into this. We will all be perfect. There will be no more sickness, no more pain, and no more problems. Amen. We will be with Jesus. We'll all have mansions. And we'll all love each other. It's going to be the perfect scenario, the, the thing that we wish that we had here on earth. But here's the questions that people have. This is things that people will ask you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you supportive verses to back up all these things. Here, here's questions. Will we have feelings and emotions in heaven? Will we know people? Will we know who we are? Do, do you know one picture that I cannot stand, and I say this every time I talk about this and I talk about this in heaven? when I talk about heaven, is I can't stand these pictures that they show these fat babies with wings in heaven. And I'm thinking, I've, I've studied the Bible. When does the Bible say we're all going to be transformed into fat? You guys know what I'm talking about, those pictures? I don't know if there's some sort of art. And it's all these fat babies that fly around. We will not be fat babies in heaven. You, you can put that in your Twitter and tweet it, okay? Let people know about that. We will not be fat babies in heaven. Will we remember things from now? Here's a good one. Will, will we still be married in heaven? Will we eat? There, there, there's a big one. And we're going to tackle all of these questions tonight and talk about what the Bible says. Most people depict heaven as being a bunch of people living on clouds playing harps. All right, I know we're going to praise Jesus and and we're going to glorify him. And and I I can't give you the exact description. I do have another time if the Lord opens the door that I want to talk about the description of heaven. But tonight I want to talk about us in heaven. What will we be like in heaven? What, What can I anticipate? What does the Bible say about us? What is this to come for us? But we will not be a bunch of zoned out angels and all these other things that people do. Let, Let me show you this as we get into this. The Bible describes heaven as being home. You know, when somebody says so-and-so went home to be with the Lord, these are the verses that we get that. He said to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if, if we have to understand, if we bring ourselves back to this time period, what that was the description of is the groom that would go out and then come back for its bride. It's what it was talking about. I go to prepare a place for you, what the groom would do. Groom comes back for his bride. We are the bride of Christ, and that's the description here. But I believe everything we have here is a sample of what God is to come. It's the joy of family, the love of one another, our relationship with one another, and the personal interaction that we have with our God. I go, I will come again, I will receive you unto myself. You're going home to my Father's house, our many mansions. All of those things. And this should make sense, but remember, we were created for a relationship with our God. Every bit of this was personal. I, I take you all the way back to, people say, what will it be like? A lot of the description that we have, is we go back to the beginning in Genesis, when God created man and he brought them up before sin came into the world, that was the original intent. God created us for fellowship with him. It's the way it was intended. Sin messed it up. Thank God there will be no sin in heaven. Things that we know about our new life or our new bodies in heaven. Number one, we're going to go through these, and I, I, I pray that you learn something. You walk away and say, okay, I didn't know this. Number one, it is a changed body. It is a changed body. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two. So now you can kind of see why I gave you the outline, because in order to get all these answered, we'd have to jump all over Scripture, and there's just no way for you to keep up. In the moment in the twinkle of an eye... At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And this word change right here is the same word for transformed or transfiguration. So that gives us some insight. So now we can take that concept and jump back and look at the, what the Bible says about being changed or transfigured. I take you to the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was there. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings that he took Peter and John and James, and he went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which should be accomplished at Jerusalem. That were glistering is call it, talking about a light coming forth or to be radiant. I don't know about you, but I've never been called radiant in all my life. One day, I'm gonna, my, my bald head will be radiant in heaven. This description of God was saying of these people were appeared in their glory. They were still, if you notice, in the same image is what it describes here. But the image of who they were was altered. The countenance word right there means the appearance or the surface. The presence of these people, things were changed. So we know that it's not going to be the same as what we are, but there will be a resemblance of who we are. The Bible says it's an imperishable body. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown incorruptible, but in raised in incorruptible. This means that it is imperishable. Once we get to heaven, that is it. We receive the original intent. There's no more sin to become into this situation. There's no more any of that. This means that it cannot get worse. There can be no decay. It means that we were created inside by God to live forever. And in that atmosphere in heaven, we will live forever. 
We will never perish and we will never age. You'll never have ailments that you have to worry about. You'll never be diagnosed with uh, high blood pressure and all the other things that come our way. And there's a body without sickness. In verse 43 it says, "...and sown in honor, uh, dishonor and raised in glory, and is sown in weakness and raised in power." That word weakness here means sickness. The resurrected body will have no sickness. But we do know this. You're saying, well, what will it look like? Have you ever wondered, what will it look like? Well, the Bible describes that we will be like Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not appear yet uh, what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And we're not sure exactly, and I mean, even, even the Bible describes this as saying, what does that look like? We don't know. But we never have this idea of what that unveiling looks like. The closest anybody has ever been to God is Moses when he was up there, and God told him to turn his head. And even the presence of God passing by him completely changed him when he came down. But he wanted to see God. Many people give these art renderings of what God looks like, and we just simply do not know. But this is what I do know. When we were created back in Genesis, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, I know that wasn't about being God or or all-powerful and all those other things, but when he created man out of the dust of the ground, he created us in the likeness of God into his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. We don't know to what extent, but I do believe as we get into this, you're going to see other similarities that come out of what the Bible describes of what we'll be like. Here's the big one. You guys ready for this? You guys are Baptists, right? So I'm going to show you that Baptists are going to be in heaven. Will we be in a body that can eat in heaven? Amen. Yes, we will. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. In heaven we will eat, but there is nothing recorded of calories or weight gain in heaven. There's my amen. (laughs) I knew that was coming. I want to explain to you why. Because why do we eat here? Number one, we enjoy it. But the other aspect of why we eat here is because we have to. We have to be sustaining. You know, once we're in heaven, that that aspect of it is no longer there. We know that for sure. So why do we eat if we're in the glorified body? So what are the reasons? Well, you got to understand God's purpose for food. Eating was part of God's design to bring people together. It's just the same way now, and, and I mean, it should be, where we stop in life and we're drawn to we have to stop and eat today I, I met with a bunch of the leadership of our church and we we ate around a meal it's a time that god made us rely on the fact that we have to stop we have to sit and we have to spend that time together and i believe that goes all the way to the beginning from that fellowship a lot of times when you read in the bible about the breaking of bread it's it's married with the word fellowship that breaking of bread and in fellowship with one another and i think god wanted us to do that But here's the different aspects that God said about us relying on him. He is the bread of life. We need him. We can't live without him. Let me show you this. Eating represents and is part of fellowship. Number one with God. If you go back to the Old Testament, there's there's these really cool things describing in Numbers 
about when God talked about them coming in and he created the table of showbread. And they shall be spread a cloth of blue and put there on the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and the covers and the cover with all. And the continued bread shall be thereon. The priest would take this bread and the flour and they would mix it together and they would do this every week for their fellowship with God. Every Sabbath day, the priest would remove it and eat it in the holy place. Then the, uh, then the fresh bread would be replaced on the table. They would eat the bread and they could only eat it in the holy place because it was holy. This was also called the bread of his presence, which is really cool. Even in Revelation, when he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, I will come into him and sit with him and sup with him and he with me. That was the description of God saying, I want the fellowship. It's awesome to know that God put eating in heaven because God's saying when we get there, we're going to have that time of fellowship with our God. And it's so cool to even think that he, that's, that's why he died for us. Was it that we'd become drones or, or, or just servants, but fellowship with our God? It was, it was like all of this in the Old Testament. It was an invitation where God was inviting them into his presence to sit down and have that meal with them. Jesus made it personal in the New Testament. Notice the verbiage of this. And I know we know this already, but Luke twenty two fifteen, And he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He said, guys, I want that. I mean, the last thing that he did before he went to the garden and prayed until he, he swept drops of blood and before they came and scourged him and put the crown and everything, the last act that he did was sitting down in fellowship with the disciples who he spent all that time with. God loves us personally. You, you want to know why we're excited to go to heaven out of all the things, well, I don't have to deal with all the problems of this. No, we get to be in fellowship with our God. And, and for us here, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and different passages there where it's talking about breaking bread, and, and they had, did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart. We know that there's a number of reasons that God has given us. But then we jump all the way to that fellowship that we're going to have in heaven. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the, for the healing of the nations. God explained that we would be eating in heaven. as another way of God for telling the joy that we will have in fellowship with him and with one another. And I just, the, 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 it's not just the fact that we're going to eat in heaven, but it's the purpose, it's the reason behind it. Here's the one that people ask, will there be marriage as we know it in heaven physically? The Bible says this, straight up and simple, Matthew 22, verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither married nor given in marriage, but are as angels of God in heaven. The Bible does not tell or teach the concept of once we get into heaven that we're going to be married the way that we know it now. And I believe that we will know one another. And that's a big thing. I, I remember when I was a kid and my, my grandma had passed away and the pastor came over and I was, I was, I was super young at this time. And uh, I just remember sitting on the couch and my grandpa was weeping and he was broken hearted. And the pastor came over and sat on the couch and he said, I want to know one thing. When I get to heaven, will I know my wife? Will I know who she is? 
Will I recognize her? Will, will she know who I am? Do I have that in my heart to look forward to that one day I'll see the loved one that I know before? And I've heard people before say, well, in heaven, all this former things will be washed away, our memory and things. And I'll show you the, the verses behind that proving what is true and not true about that. But in heaven, we will know each other. So I want to walk through these verses. I want to show you what the Bible has said to give the supporting scripture behind this. I'll take you all the way to Genesis chapter 5, verse 8. And I could have thrown a whole lot more verses in here that give this principle. Then Abraham gave up the ghost. He died and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. When David had his baby and the baby died and he rose up and he... He cleaned himself up after he was mourning and sackcloth and ashes and, and fasting and praying. And then he, his countenance changed after that. And they came to him and wanted to know why he changed. Because he said this in, in 2 Samuel 12, 23. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Talking about that reunion that David in his heart had to anticipate one day that he would be with that child that has gone before him. I, I, I looked at this. Give me another illustration. We will be known by our names. We will be who we are. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 21 verse 14 gives a de description of what heaven's going to look like. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So they were known, who they were, what they did, their reputation, how they served. God lifts them up of their reputation of what's there. It's, it's just little things like that are so cool, knowing that heaven is personal. We're, we're not going to be zoned out of everything that we had and everything that we believed and everything that we shared and fought for. Even the, going back and tying this into the message that Pastor Dave did about the crowns. What are the crowns given to us for the service that we did here on earth? It's not that God washed away all those things from our minds. God will wash some things away from our minds. We'll get in that too in a minute, but not that. The question was asked, and I had to throw this in there. Will we still be men and will we still be women? Yes, and you say, why was that even asked? Because earlier in that passage, the other passage that we read, it said that we shall be like the angels. And some people said, well, we'll we won't even be anything like we are now. The illustration of the millennium reign that is to come is an illustration of what things were meant to be like. It's almost a recreation of the Garden of Eden when we were them, except God before the fall of man and before sin. That is recreated at the end of the way that God wanted it to be, with the lion, with the lamb, and all those illustrations that we have of that fellowship, of that thing. But in the beginning in Genesis, the Bible says, before sin and the fall of man, there was male and female. After Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to them as a man, but he appeared to them in his glorified body. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah were in their glorified bodies. But they were still the bodies of Moses and Elijah. So I, I do believe that we will be in the image of what we are now. The new lives or the bodies will remember our lives here. But the question is, what will we remember? The verse that people come up and say we won't remember 
is from Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But that's where somebody will take that one verse and take it out of context and say, see, our minds will be wiped away. You won't know anything once you get there. But jump back and see what it is. Because we just illustrated over and over again all the things that the Bible says about us remembering. Verse 16 says, Because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hid from our eyes. If we had the memory of everything that we had here, of those that we left behind, of that daughter that rejected Christ, of all those things... We, we would be tormented that, with that forever. We'd be haunted with that memory. If, if we had the idea and the imagery uh, of those being tossed into hell, I take that. And, and let me tell you, when, when the Bible says that the, the books were opened, another book, and they were judged out of those things according to their works and everything that the Bible says, and the Bible says that they were cast into the lake of fire, I do believe that we're going to be present with that. I do believe that we're going to be present. The reason why I know that is... Nowhere in Scripture does it say that we're absent from the presence of God with all that He does. The second coming of Christ, laying down our thrones, worshiping God in heaven. Every depiction of what we have in heaven shows us present with God. And then this happens. It's in Revelation 20, verse 15. And the Bible says in that same passage, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You go to the very next chapter, and it says in 21, 4, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. So I ask you guys, if we're in heaven, why are we crying? If, if, if all this stuff has been given to us and we were not the ones cast into the lake of fire, why is God going away around wiping away the tears from our eyes? And I tell you, I believe that it's because of what we just witnessed. I, I believe it's because of what we did. But it's not just wipe away our tears, because I know that we say that in the physical sense of what we know here today, of picking up our child and taking that tissue and comforting them like this. But this was deeper than that. And there shall be, and God does this, of wiping away the hurt or the pain. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. See, I, I, I do believe that that's true of tying that into Isaiah about the memory of those things and those things that would haunt us. God wipes those things away from our minds. But there's other things that we can tie into this as well. What about our memory that we have after death? Well, we read through Scripture and there's different things that talk about it. What about the rich man in hell? When he was being tortured in hell, and the Bible says in hell he lift up his eyes, notice the things that he recalls. Number one, he remembers back to when he cries out to Lazarus. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. That right there showing that there is memory beyond the grave. Later on in that same passage, the rich man in hell remembered his family. He, he said, therefore, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That's chilling in and of itself. Knowing that those are burning in hell are thinking of what happened here. <clears throat> I, I, I preached a message one time, who in hell knows your name? Who right now that is in hell knows our name? I'm sitting there of that Christian or that believer, whatever, that they sat across from you or they worked with you or they fellowshiped with you or you were family members with them and you never opened your mouth 
this guy from hell begins to recall and, and talk about this man that he knew that was not there, Lazarus. He, he knew that where Lazarus was. But he also knew the destination of his brothers that were lost that were on their way there as well. But one last illustration of this, of our memory, is in Revelation 15, verse 3, we have the song of Moses. Now, this is cool. We've sang the song of Moses here before, and it talks about when they triumphed over there, and they sang the song of the victory about how, how God had trampled the, the uh, soldiers of Egypt and all those other things, and it's the song of victory that they have. But the Bible gives a description of us singing that song. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. The song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of the saints. So I do believe that we'll have our memory. I do believe that God's going to wipe away the bad. I I think God's going to make it to where we recall who we are and the remembrance of the blessings that we had. We're going to be given the crown, and he says the soul winner's crown and the crown of rejoicing and all the different crowns. So obviously to do that, we're not going to stand there being like, well, I don't know, what what did I get this for? We're going to recall those things of what we've done. Just like at the the, the Bema seat that Pastor Dave talked about, of us receiving the awards and being called out, accountable for the time and the gifts and the talents that we've been given. But the Bible also talks about the body that we have of being different. And we get the description, and I know different people have said that this is not what it meant, but there's no limitation of time and space. And the Bible says about Christ being in his glorified body, Luke chapter 24, verse 31, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. In John chapter 20, verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So there's different descriptions that we have of that. And one of my favorite ones about the resurrection, resurrected body of Christ and, and him being in his glorified body after that, when he was there for 40 days, is with Christ being in the tomb. He said, well, the angel had to come and roll the tomb away so Jesus could get out. No, the the angel came and rolled the tomb away so the people could see in. That stone did not hold Jesus from coming out. He didn't have to get permission from an angel and say, hey, can can you guys let me out of here? There was none of that going on. He came out and he was in his resurrected body. Here's a cool one. The resurrected body that we will have serves Christ. Serves Christ. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. We are not for sure what this means, or what our job, or what our purpose will be. The only thing that I can do is tie this into Genesis. And I, I, I even pointed this out this morning, or last week I think it was, about God formed Adam and Eve, and God formed Adam and put him in the garden to dress it and to serve God brought the animals unto Adam, and he named them one by one. God gave Adam responsibilities. You say, wait a minute, if, I, if I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven never to have to work again. That's what's going to make it heaven. I, I don't want to have to do all those things. But have you ever wondered why God did that, where he gave Adam the responsibility that he did in the garden? It wasn't to work him or tax him. It was exposing him to the blessings of everything that God had to offer. 
It was him experienced the glory of that. And I don't know what we're going to be doing in heaven. The Bible does not tell us. But it will not be to tax us or work us or make us labor in the sense that we think about. It is giving us opportunities to pray and and enjoy the ministry of God. I'll tell you what. I would enjoy ministry a whole lot more here. I, I I don't dread doing this. I love my job. I love ministering. I don't like the problems. I don't like the headaches. Sometimes I don't like people. Don't judge me. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and these are just the things that are there. But I think in there, we're going to have all the blessings and the glory and the joy of serving our God, but without all the headaches and problems that go with it, which is just awesome. Somebody asked a question, and I can't remember where it was, and I, I, I tried to address all these as we were going in. People have asked, is it possible for the cycle to start all over again? Has anybody ever asked you that question before? Is it possible that this whole thing could reboot the way that it was intended where God let this? And I'm going to tell you, absolutely not. The reason is, first of all, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He came, he conquered, he's taken us home. And when the Bible says that there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no more for the former things are wiped away. Behold, I make things all new or I make all things new. There's your answer to that. There is no going back. It is what it is, and God seals the deal. And the Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 3, there shall be no more curse. Here's another question. What will we wear in heaven? What will we wear in heaven? Like I said, we will not be naked fat babies. But let me tell you what you will have. Revelation 19, 8 And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is is the the righteousness of the saints. In verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. If you do a study in the Bible about even Adam and Eve when they sinned, the first thing they did is they went and they hid themselves. Then they made clothes out of fig leaves to cover themselves. Because nakedness represented shame. That's the reason why today that I believe in the wickedness of our nation that we see so much of this where there is no shame. They, they, they don't understand the fear of the Lord or the presence of the Lord. They've lost their shame. But in heaven, there will be no shame. And actually... Everything that represented our failures and everything, he clothes us in his white linen. He wraps his righteousness around us. We are clothed in the righteousness of God. We are made clean. We are made white. And this is a reminder constantly of what Christ has done for us. What about recognizing the body? Recognizing what it is. Now, I say that because we're talking about will we see each other? Will we recognize each other? Will we know who we are? In John chapter 20, verse 14, and when, he, she, uh, when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And this is a story about Jesus came out of the tomb and he's standing there and, and uh, rain up upon Jesus and she did not recognize. And Jesus saith unto him, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom thou seeketh? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, and thou hast borne him Hence, tell me, where hast thou laid him? And I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. 
Once again, a reminder of what we said, he was still in his glorified body, but recognized as a man. And she did recognize him as Jesus, but he was not the same that he was before. And I'm not exactly sure what this means when we're talking about God, we shall be changed, and we show this. Knowing that, okay, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they came up and they recognized Moses and they recognized Elijah. Now, the Bible says that they were glistening and the Bible says that they had the white and the, 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 the light shining around about them, but they still recognized them for who they are. I do believe we're going to know each other in heaven. I do believe that there's going to be uh, that relationship that we have of brothers and sisters in Christ and everything that God has given us here, the glory and fellowship and the joy of what we have in heaven, but I know that it's going to be different. I think of it as an illustration of somewhat like we have of, uh, of, of a flower. You take the flower, you plant the seed inside the dirt, and it grows. But the more it's exposed to the sun, the more beautiful it becomes. That's why you see these flowers that are all closed up, and then the sun comes out, and they open it up, and you stand out there and say, wow, look at how this transformed just within hours as it's exposed to the sun. I'm going to close this at the end by reading in Revelation of what the Bible says heaven's going to be like. But this is the part that I'll give you a clue on. We're going to be exposed to the glory of the greatest light that has ever been, and that's the light of Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's what's going to change us. That's, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be in the reflection of the Son of God, the Creator of all, the King of Kings. What about the affection? Now, we'll wrap this up as we get to these last couple the Bible says after Jesus came back and he was in his glorified body or resurrected body, he called unto Peter and Peter is sitting on the side of the shore or Jesus was and Peter swam to him and that's when Jesus began to say, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, feed my lambs. And he does this three times, Jesus sitting in his glorified body. Jesus had been changed in his form. But Jesus, in this passage, shares in this personal, affectionate conversation with the one that he loved. Because I don't believe that we're going to be zoned out robots. I, 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 I've pictured it before and I told people that think about everything that we have here when we uh, have Christmas and we, me and my family go home. And you guys know that me and Pastor Dave, we, we usually go on that same week and all of my other brothers and sisters take off the same time. And for four days straight, all we do is we get up, we hang out, we fellowship, we laugh. And what we try to do is we try to zone out of everything else that is in the world and that. And for those four days, it is just the joy of our family and the fun and the fellowship and everything that goes with it. And I believe that that's what it is. In my father's house, I'm going home. Many mansion, the blessings and the rewards are there. Worshiping with my brothers and sisters in Christ like we did this morning and tonight of gathering in there and just shouting out and praising the name of Jesus. Having the fellowship, sitting down with Jesus, the blessing of the fellowship, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all those things that are to come. And then God shows us the beauty and the grandeur of heaven and of everything that it is. And let me show you, let me just read, if you don't even want to turn there, let me just read this. Revelation chapter 21 verse 22, and I'm going to read quite a bit, but just soak this up. And I saw, the Bible says, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. 
for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall be no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed to me a pure river of water, life clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of it, the street of it, and on either side of the river there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were of her healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no more night, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth to them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That is my future home. And all the grief and the problems and trials and everything that we face here on earth, one day they will all be passed away. I think we should preach on hell. I think we should preach on the judgment. I think we should preach on all these things. But I think we should keep this in mind. I, I think we should be excited about what is to come. And the fact that God has made us all these promises to make all things new and the fellowship that we're going to have there and the fellowship that we're going to have with our God. So tonight was not what we had planned. And in a couple of weeks, if this works out, we'll do the concert. Next week we have Sunday Night Bob Bernie and a lot of good things like that coming our way. But uh, I, I just, the Lord laid it on my heart a while back. And, and I said, guys, I just, I just want to share with them the things that God said is to come. I mean, these, these, some of them are bad. Like Pastor Dave talked last week about the, the, the law standing before God and, and, and the weights and, and them being cast into the lake of fire and all that. Man, I, I don't like those messages. We need to hear it, but I don't like it. But these are the promises that we have of what's to come for us.